Today's guest not only survived a life-threatening illness, but has thrived beyond it. Often when I'm out in public, a child will stare at me. And if the child is particularly brave, they'll approach me and ask, are you a pirate? Despite being given only a 10% chance of living, eventually losing both his legs and hands. Nothing that I've done has been made any more amazing by the fact that I have hooks for hands. Give it up for sensational storyteller, public speaker, Tom Nash, aka DJ Hookie. Hookie! No one's ever lucky. I think the only lucky you get in life is where you're born and then you make the rest. Stick around, it's gonna be a good ride. Crazy this time when we've got this crazy penthouse and there's only the three of us. Only the three of us, Bonnie, myself, and you. But super exciting guest today. Yeah. How'd you go on the plane, PK, this morning? Uh, Is it all right? Went okay. Did you have any issues? Because okay. I'm pissed, man. I'm so dirty, dude. <laughs> I don't think I'm. Did as you see me get you. moved? I saw you get moved. Did you? Did yeah. you know why? Well, I think the. I thought the air, ho- air hostess thought you were. Was a big giraffe-looking guy sitting in a little seat. Hostess mean female. Or the female and male are hostess? Because uh, he was male, so oh. he's a host. Maybe. Oh, gotcha. But, you know, let me explain, right? I know we've got a crazy guest we've got to get to, PK, but I've got to get this off my chest, man. All right, mate. I don't want you carrying this stuff around, right? So <laughs> unpack know. it. Well, right. I think we've discussed this on the pod before about, you know, if you're in the middle seat, there's three seats. If you're in the middle seat, yep, elbows, man. You, you get the elbows, right? Yeah. And I'm cool with that. I acknowledge that. Yeah. Don't necessarily think it's fair, but it is is what it is. Yeah. So I'm on the end seat, and I've got this beer. He's a travelling dude. Like he's a big English guy, man. He's a big boy. Like not not wide, but I like, could hear him talking. Could you hear him talking? Yeah, oh man. mate, like, loudest people talking. But dude, he's sitting here not only with his elbows like. If it's me and I'm in the middle, and I'm like claiming me two like me two things, I'm not full out like this, man. I'm mm. like respectful enough to keep him a little bit tucked. Yep. This guy's out like this, and this is the thing that really annoyed me, man. He's airing his balls like this, man. So his elbows are out like this and his legs, he's got his legs fanned out as well. No regard. So I'm sitting on the side for the people playing along at home, Bonnie, catch this. I'm sitting out the side, I've got long legs. You know, we're still turning right. We're not turning left, man. We're, we're out with everyone else, you know. So I'm, I'm sitting here like this and I reckon we got about half an hour in. And I wasn't going to say, this dude didn't even take a breath. So I wouldn't have even got a chance yeah. to talk to him. Yeah. The, the host dude's come up and he's gone, hey, mate, come with me. See, I'd been stitched up. Well, the fact that the Jetstar fella, lovely fella at Jetstar, Jetstar saw the yeah. old battling there. Yep. But yeah, it's, it's just. No, no, it's not plain good. Etiquette. It's not good. No, plain no. etiquette. And I would like to point this out as well. You were sitting directly in front of me. Yes. And just as the plane was about to take off, I noticed a bit of movement before yep. it took off. And I thought, he's not. There's no, he's not going to, he's not going to peg his, you know what I mean? Like, he's not going to peg his. Bloody chair back on. Yeah, back. I did think about so it. I know, I, but then, I, th- I think I felt the think about man the way you went chunk chunk. No, no, no. I didn't. I only thought about it. I didn't act upon it. But we've had this conversation before, and you guys said that if you're flying uh, just nationally, you can't Sydney's, go your Brisbane's, yeah, you can't go back. You can't. Man. So I thought oh, I can't go back. I was waiting for it too. Sorry, man. I need to get that off the chest. Yeah, it's fair enough. No, I reckon that was rough. You were treated rough, mate. But shout out Jetstar and that guy. Shout out Jetstar and shout out Meriden again for having us. We got Mockos this putting time. Putting us up. Mockos this time. We're back again. Can't be happier with the service. Love it. All right, let's get into today's guest. Welcome back to Australia's number one podcast. We are the little fish <laughs> and we speak to the big fish about town each and every week. Please like, share, subscribe. 
cracker guest today, guys. What a journey he's been on. Let's get into it. Today's guest not only survived a life-threatening illness, but has thrived beyond it. Despite being given only a 10% chance of living, eventually losing both his legs and hands at the age of 19. Quadruple amputee, man. At the age of 19. Let that sit with you for a second. I was worried about, what was I worried about at 19? Something, something stupid, no doubt. But um, his determination to turn lemons into serious lemonade has seen him become a celebrated global keynote speaker and an international DJ he is today. Oh, yeah. Instead of letting adversity consume him, it drove him. All the way to founding his own lucrative entertainment business that saw our next guest name up in lights on the likes of SBS, Sydney Morning Herald, Sky News, BuzzFeed, and he's got an amazing TED Talk yeah, out there. If, it, if anyone needs to get down there and, you know, it's a, it's a really good circa 10-minute chat that you need to have a look at. He's living, breathing example of the expression, what doesn't kills us makes us stronger. Benjamin. Give it up for sensational storyteller, public speaker, Tom Nash, aka DJ Hookie. Hookie! You! How you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Hey, Tom. Thank you. I'd just like to set the record straight and say that, <clears throat> you know, if I was given lemons, I'd rather make cocktails than lemonade. <laughs> ah, that's so, And I think that's an important distinction to make, at least, you know, in that these parts. That is true. Yeah, no, that's yeah, true. Yeah. But uh, before that's we start getting about. into the, the Nitty gritty. Yes. Can I pick up on something you were talking about in the introduction with respects to the politics of airplanes? Yes. Yes. Because I, I find love this. I find the psychology of plane travel really fascinating, right? And and the middle seat, I totally agree with you. You do get the two armrests. In fact, there's something that I like to do whenever I travel um, internationally. If you have to book two seats together, like let's say you and your partner, instead of booking one that's an aisle seat and a middle seat, so you're sitting together, you book the window seat and the aisle seat in the bet that nobody will pick one seat, seat in the middle oh. and you might get it. And quite often you do. Yeah. And what happens is if someone does pick it, right, they've got the worst seat. So all you have to do is say, hey, do you want to swap? Because I'm with this ah. person. Win -win. So you're back to where you started Can from. Can I ask, what yeah. are you, what are you, which one are you swapping? You're swapping the window or you're swapping the aisle? <laughs> it depends who wins the argument at the beginning of the day, I guess, between <laughs> you and keeping, whoever. I'm keeping the aisle. You know aisle, I mean? aisle is a better seat. We all know that the aisle is a better seat. But some people like the window. I don't know. If it's a short flight, I think the window has some benefits. But I think under, you've got you to be under 12 to, to go for the window, the step right? Step over. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, the step <laughs> over. I'd rather be letting people out than yes. going, hey, do you reckon I could get through that? Yeah, yeah. because then you get to do the, yeah, all right. You know, I'll do you the favor. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, and the other thing, uh, so politically, about, so I have this uh, idea where um, I was having this discussion actually with my, my partner's father who I took a flight with recently and he's quite a loquacious individual and uh, very social and will start talking to people on planes. I'm not a fan of this, right? Because you never know who you're going to be seated next to and they could be a complete lunatic, yes. right? And so I always have this rule that I set with myself, which is you only speak to the person next to you in the last 10% of the flight. Right. Because they then they leave having had a good experience, right? The good experience is at the end. Yep. But you kind of hedge your bets in a way that if they're mental, right? <laughs> you don't have to spend the whole time with them. You've got in 10 minutes. Silences. It's all you got to get through. Yeah. You just like get to know you. And, and if they're really nice and you have a really short, quick conversation that yep. you both feel leaving good and you don't have that awkward silence where you kind of like get to know somebody and then all and of a sudden... I don't want to talk to them ever again. So... <laughs> How about that meal? <laughs> Which is total shit, right? Yes, you, yes. you have nothing in common with this person other than you happen to be sitting next to them. Yep. I don't mind that. 
Yeah. Well, no, you, you, you weren't, you weren't going to talk to these guys. I was just going to say, you know me pretty well. I ain't talking to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I just look and stroll. I'm not much <laughs> what of about a, the guy yeah. who's given it yeah, all Yeah, I did, man. I just wore it, dude. I just I was, wasn't happy and I knew yeah. I was going to. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I've never done a bit of traveling over the years. I don't think I've ever spoken to someone that wasn't someone that I traveled with on a plane. Mm. And that's probably. At not what that point cool, would really, you, bring, can I ask you, at what point would you bring it up? Let's say you were Sydney to fucking Dubai, 15 hours, and he was like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. At what Whoa. point would you say, listen? Yeah, I reckon. Or do you at all? <laughs> I don't. You just I don't. Wear you it? you wear know it. me pretty well. I wear, you know what? I, I couldn't put a timestamp on it because I'm a bottler. I'll bottle yeah. it, and when the lid comes off, it comes off, man. You know what I mean? And like, then when they get off the plane, when they get off the plane, he'll push him down the stairs. That's what, <laughs> yeah, right. like, it'll just be a volcano at the end. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's be, not to get arrested in a foreign country. Hey, and, and that's put- and that's on the back of me trying not to cause problems. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then I just try and keep it to myself. But if yeah. he pushes and pushes and pushes. He'll shake the bottle and eventually it really doesn't matter how, yeah. where, or when I deliver <laughs> okay. it, Tom. Remind me never to travel with you. You'll be under no illusions about the rules, <laughs> rules of travel and moving forward, man. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. At least we've got all the travel etiquettes, plane etiquette out of the way. Yeah. Hope, hope he's got better luck on the way home tomorrow morning, mate. Yeah, these trips are fun though, aren't they? They, they are, are fun. fun. You're going to Melbourne, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, we're in Melbourne. What is it, like 10 minutes? 15. Yeah. It's not far. It's not far. Where do you guys live in Melbourne? Benny lives leafy Altham, Altham. Altham, yeah. And I live down Geelong Way. Right. I actually don't know the location of either of those. <laughs> I don't know why I fucking asked. Yeah. <laughs> I do not. Like, I know like yeah, eight places Tom in Melbourne. Know Melbourne. the way he's asking. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> he he's just trying to be convivial. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I know yeah. Carlton. Where did you... So yeah. were you Sydney and, yeah. born and bred? Uh, no, actually, I was born in South Africa. Uh, but I only lived there for two years. And then I grew up in Texas in the United States. Um, for about six years yeah. and then I moved here to Sydney uh, after that so but I've been in Sydney most of my life yeah yeah, um, yeah. and that has been spanned I moved to sort of the uh, St. George kind of area which is just a bit south of Sydney yeah and then uh, for the last I guess 25 years I've been in a west yeah, yeah. so yeah. so not by choice necessarily so your parents they're Australian were they <laughs> my mum's Australian yeah yep. my dad is British but he was actually born in the Middle East in Bahrain and then he went to boarding school in the UK but with his work he moved all around the world and that's why they ended up in South Africa and Texas and places like that yeah yeah. gotcha gotcha so Tom take us back to Tom you know pre-19 pre Mm. you know getting that bad news I suppose Um, you know what was what was life like what did you know, did you have aspirations? What, you know, what was on no, the table? No, I, no, I had no aspirations. And were I, you a good student, good kid? Uh, you know, did you love life? All of that kind of stuff? No, I think I was pretty middle of the road. Not, I mean, if what hadn't happened to me hadn't happened to me, we wouldn't be having the conversation. That kind of uh, mediocrity, I guess you might yeah. classify it as. So, you know, very much an average kid, um, suburban life. I was going to university. I was studying psychology. I enjoyed music. Who doesn't? Yeah. I played guitar a little bit. Um, and so I guess that was one of the big things. When I when I uh, lost my arms, it wasn't just a, a loss of independence, but also a loss of being able to play music and write music. Yeah, so, yeah which, gotcha. So you was, played a, played an instrument? Yeah, or I played you, guitar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there was, you know, you know, layers of tragedy where it's kind of like, oh, your life's fucked. But also, <laughs> you can never pat a dog or play the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> So, Try that on for size. So was that 
And so was that like an onion that you kept peeling back? Was sort of like got the I, news, yeah, I think it was an onion tragedy, that was just sliced in half for me. Sliced yeah, in half at that point. And then you started like yeah, you started realizing the things that you yeah. couldn't couldn't do. Well, I mean, for the first year and a half, I was in hospital. Yeah. Uh, and in various periods over various different hospitals in different states. How quickly did it get to that point, though? So just to backtrack a little bit. Like overnight. So you got like a news one day and the next day you're practically in No, I didn't even get like, news. You didn't get... Oh, because no. you were just sick. Yeah, it, it just... Uh, so the meningococcal kind of presents uh, as though it's like a flu. So the symptoms are very yes. flu-like. Yeah. And, you know, if you are the kind of person who feels that they're impervious to... <laughs> Um, sickness, much like many 19-year-old yeah, boys are. Yeah, you yeah. just sort of brush it off and go to bed or whatever. And then once it gets to a point where it's beyond repair, you are basically as good as dead. And that's the point that I got to. Gotcha. Um, and so I had to be in- induced into a coma after that. So I lost a lot of memory and time. And then by the time I woke up out of a coma, it's like, you know, good morning, you're fucked. Um, you'll be spending the next uh, 18 months losing limbs and all sorts of stuff like that. So you went to, you, oh, you, you, you end up in an induced coma, no idea that, you know, obviously you, don't, you know you're not going to go into a coma, you just wait like you said. Mm. That is mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. Let that sit with you for a second, PK. Mm. That's, yeah. and, and can you remember, do you have vivid memories of thoughts and some feelings around that time? Like, you know, did, yeah, did it feel surreal? Like, I, I would imagine. I've had uh, I um, ended up in hospital years years and years ago, and I remember waking up myself, and and it was really surreal. I, I didn't, mm. I wasn't even sure if I was actually there. Yeah, it was just white walls, and I, I never, I'll never forget that feeling of like, where the fuck am I? Like I could have been on, I could have been abducted for all I knew. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And there was strange people walking around and stuff. So yeah, can you remember any there, of that? You know, absolutely, yeah. And uh, there's an element of sort of twilightness. Uh, I'm aware that's not a word. Uh, to coming <laughs> out of a coma. Where you're, because comas are, are very strange things in that everybody thinks that there's some weird, like, meta experience when really they just feel like being asleep for a long time. Yeah. And you dream when you're in a coma, just like you dream when you're asleep. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'd had some weird dreams. And then when I woke up, there was that sort of twilight period where you're not really asleep and you're not really awake. And so you're, I guess, your cognitive faculties aren't yet prepared to deal with the question of, is this real? Because. You know, a convincing argument could be made for both sides. I think um, the one thing that grounds you to reality is the excruciating pain that you're in thereafter. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's the thing that wakes you up to say like, yeah, hey, this is real. But also it's it's cloaked in ambiguity at the beginning because people don't know, they know what, what you have, but yeah. they don't know whether you're going to survive. And if you are going to survive, they don't know what that's going to look like. You know, will you be down a couple of fingers or toes? Will you be down a few limbs? Uh, All of that is very much up in the air. It's all in the unknown. Yeah, exactly. So you don't wake up and sort of get that news. It's like like a a journey of might be this, might be that. If you're lucky, it might be this. And that was an 18-month journey. The, the, The latter half, or not half, but I guess year of that, was all rehabilitation. So there's a rehabilitation hospital that, you know, stick these legs on you and yeah. get you up to walk and stuff like that. Here you go, good as new type stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but uh, the first six months, I guess, is the most physically and emotionally harrowing. And yes. then the latter half is, or the latter year, I should say, is um, probably, yeah, just as <laughs> emotionally and physically harrowing. Um, but yeah, more about moving forward 
yeah. than it is just keeping you alive. You know? Yeah, yeah, mm. correct. Like now that even like your TED talk and just talking to you, you know, coming now, like your attitude and positivity is amazing. It's remarkable, man. During those times, you you know, you probably weren't a bundle of joy to be around. Is no, that I'm fair to say? To be around. Yeah, even then. <laughs> probably, I don't know. Do you all you saw you 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 still joked? You still joked? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You saw the lighter side, yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you, what, weren't, you weren't I, thinking why me? Like, because I know that's where oh, my, yeah. my, my mind you would have been going. Go through that. What did I do? Yeah. And you go through all of that. I mean, I knew that the question "why me" was stupid. Um yeah, you know, the, the question "why not" is probably better um, because it has to happen to someone, right? Mm. Um, but obviously, I went through bouts of feeling extremely depressed. Usually, they lined up with significant feelings of pain. Okay, and I gotcha. only really learned that retrospectively when I looked at things, and I was like, you know, when I was feeling my worst emotionally was when I was in a lot of pain. Yeah, because it really does shroud your ability to see into the future. Yeah, you know, it's something that you need to be able to just get rid of to be able to move forward in any way. The pain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah physical pain. Yeah. Because yeah, physical great. pain gets in the way of everything. Like if you think about it, it is the upstream, you know, consequence of you either So if I had uh let's say wounds on my leg, like on what's left of my leg, I can't then put a prosthetic on and start walking or yeah. trying to walk because it will completely destroy any wounds that I have. So we have to get that done first. So you're not yeah. making progress because you're having to fix this thing and it might be painful to get up and do it when you've got wounds on your leg mm. so you can't move forward so you can't see progress even in the minutiae you know so it's so, just so slow such a <clears throat> yeah, slow it's such journey it's a fucking of, iterative process that yeah. you, you, you know, and for somebody to have to like zoom out and get a macro view of where they're going to be in 10 years it's almost impossible to do that especially when the people around you the specialists don't yeah. even know. they don't even know yeah, yeah. There's no blueprint for it. Yeah. And so you, you have to learn how to start uh, taking small gains and being to being able to appreciate the the little steps along the way in the hopes that they will contribute to something larger, you know? Yeah. 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 No, awesome. So at what point do you, you know, you get out of hospital? Do things get a bit clearer? Do things go, you know what? I can sort of, I've got my, got my legs, got my arms. Mm. Let's let's start charging on with things and and you start thinking about being a DJ. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> that was an interesting thought process that you just went through oh, on my behalf. Oh, no. <laughs> That's why I'm saying things. Taking on David Gaeta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did. I didn't. I didn't. And it, well, the first time I I got out of hospital and start, started living independently, my first thought wasn't to be a DJ at all. Um, in fact, uh, but. I did want to return to some kind of a creative field um, and I didn't go back to study psychology or finish that degree off and I actually went back and I did sound engineering. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Um, and then well, that's I, to feed that, uh, that creativity of not being able to play the guitar uh, and stuff? Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because I actually engineered something that allowed me to play the guitar again quite soon after that oh. with hooks. Yeah. Um, but the, the sound engineering was kind of a, a complement to that in a way that, you know, understanding how to record sound um, is a useful uh, skill to have, I guess. And it's, it, it's got backgrounds in science and engineering and stuff like that, which, you know, when I apply myself to that kind of stuff, I can do quite well at it. And then I, I appended that course, that degree with a, um, a diploma of music business management, because if I was going to be, 
in the arts. I didn't want to be a starving artist. Because yeah. I think that's kind of <laughs> bullshit, right? Yeah. So I did a, a diploma in music business management, and then um, and then I went on to do actually work experience in nightclubs because there was a, a prerequisite of work experience in the in the diploma, and. I'd had a little bit of experience in, in clubs because I'd been playing guitar in a band and I started doing all the bookings and things like that. And so that's how I got into nightclubs. And then uh, my friend Chris and I had been working together on things and wanted to start our own. And then we started Your our own, own nightclub. Yeah, we started our own. Well, club night. We didn't want to be tethered to real estate Yes. Um, in that sense because uh, musical communities can be fickle with respect to that. Yeah. And so we wanted a brand that was recognizable but that was movable. Yeah. Um, and that's when we started Starfuckers, which was like, I mean, say 15, 16 years ago now. Yeah. And we still do events. And yeah. who, who have you been bringing over? Who, who are some of the DJs and, and We don't bring over anyone. We play it's all ourselves. Locals. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of the, the, um, the difference in our club night is we didn't actually rely on guests. International, yeah. We made ourselves their headliners. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which... It's great because you don't have to pay yourself exorbitant fees. Yeah. And if you can make yourself a pull card, a draw card or a feature of the night, then people come to see you. Yeah. And you also get asked to play other places, which worked perfectly. So it was kind of like how to manufacture a DJ out of nothing. So yeah. I've, I've yeah. got to ask. I've got to ask. So mm. at this point, you've got two hooks and you're DJing? Yeah. So yeah. actually take even a step back so you were saying you've come out of hospital and there was 18 months of you know losing limbs so it wasn't like all four at once it was like a progression of hey i think did you know you needed to lose you were going to lose all four and it was systematically done or was it like you lost one at a time and then they'll trying to you know there was a chance that you were going to be able to keep the uh, other arm i see what you mean yeah. yeah yeah i lost my legs first okay um and then it was i think not that long after that, maybe a month or something that I lost my arm. They were trying to save And you knew you were a chance gotcha. to keep, you just weren't sure, you were in the dark, unknown. Yeah, because the way that the meningococcal works, it kind of it causes septicemia, which is effectively like a blood poisoning. And that causes gangrene. So you get gangrene on, there's a lot of pirate references uh. in my story, don't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no parrots. I, uh, I think and, we, yeah, like, we you get <laughs> Apparently I actually did a fucking, oh, where was it? <laughs> I, I did a like a podcast or something. No, it wasn't a podcast. Sorry, it was a conference I was speaking at. And the the woman who was organizing, organizing it bought me a gift and it was a parrot. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> what a legend. A not live a real parrot? One. Not a real no, one. No, like a... Just fun know, to sit. Like yeah. a, <laughs> she had a sense of humor. It was, it was quite good, actually. Yeah. I don't know where it is. Um, where was I? Uh, um, about losing the order oh, yeah, in sorry, which I was talking about, yeah, from the gangrene, limbs. yeah. So, yeah, so gangrene usually goes to your extremities first and it kills the tissue. And then uh, when left untreated, it sort of creeps its way up your body and just starts destroying everything in its path. So I I was treated with something called activated protein C, which was in trial phases at the time. And uh, that was keeping the septicemia at bay, but it was sort of a battle between the septicemia and and their ability to mitigate that to an extent. And so it could have gone either way and they could have saved bits of my arm or hand or whatever it was um but they ended up deciding with through the elbow yep is Which, that to, uh, i just is care that, that to it's symmetrical it? that's all i care oh, about. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, I, don't want, yeah. I don't want a fucking asymmetry <laughs> i want <laughs> <Yeah. it. laughs> no you're spot on now now to the question i wanted is to that, get sorry to. just to finish sorry, is okay. that does that stop it you go you know what if we cut it yeah it'll stop the it gangrene stops the making it stops its way yeah, yeah exactly so it's sort of it's it's there to 
save yeah, that's save right. you save it getting save to you life. yeah yeah yeah, gotcha. yeah it's yeah. either if we don't do this now it's going to spread yeah. it's going to be too late we don't we don't want these things to fight and battle on and and if the drug loses yeah we lose we lose I think you can still die after that are you getting choice a choice is this a choice uh the, yeah they were yeah they do you know were. what i mean like because yes. you don't have to even if it is that's right ter- yeah, yeah, like yeah. potentially terminal like or whatever like it's you know life threatening right. or yeah, whatever it was it's a still choice. a choice yeah and how how difficult it was easy? It was an easy. It's, you know, logically, you go, oh, it's probably an easy choice, but I think it's probably not that simple. It's not that simple for a couple of reasons. The first would be you have to be responsible for making the decision to live as an amputee and live with it. I guess. Yeah. Yep. Um, but conversely, I think it was. I really appreciated having the option. Not because I was ever going to pick not having them amputated, but because it was the first time in the whole process where I felt I had some control. Bit of control. You had a choice. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. up until that point, everything's happening to you. And around you. Yeah. Yes. Ah, right. That's a right. good point. The burning question for me, yes. DJ Hooky. Um, because I DJ'd for many, many years and it's right. my, my passion as oh, well. Oh, DJ I questions. My favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the lot like... So back in the day, how, you know, so you were 19, so 20, so you probably started DJing 21, started, 22. No, I started DJing in 2006. It was actually oh, the first night we started throwing the party. I was throwing parties back then too. Yeah, oh, right. So with 2006, mm. still using vinyls, maybe DJM 100s. DJM 100. I was on you CDs. Were on, you were on CDJ yeah. 100s that come out. I by scratch then. vinyls and nothing yeah. like the CDs. Well, because that was me first. I was yeah. like, back then it would have been vinyl, but we we're just transitioning to the yeah. CDs. So, yeah. so how did you? Um, I guess with the 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 obviously the the the, the players and the controller and yeah. getting the CDs. Like, so those challenges, those those. How did you sort of combat those? Oh, I just threw myself in the deep end completely. I just started DJing to a club. Yep, that was it. And you, but how did you figure out how you were going to get the CDs in and you were going to move the, um, Was that just know, practice it's, it's, at home and you just found... No, I, don't, I didn't have equipment at home. Oh, really? It, no, nothing. I hadn't DJed before. I, I knew how to use a mixer because I'd done sound engineering and I had a good understanding of uh, signal flow of audio. Yep. Um, but I'd never used a CDJ. But, you know, back then, the 100s and the 200s, they weren't that hard, right? You stick no, the true. CD and you pre- you had a stereo in the fucking 80s. You know how to press play and skip a track, right? <laughs> and pretty much it's just, oh, this thing speeds it up. Yeah, cool. And and the rest of it is just a heuristic. It's, yeah, just, it's just practice. Yeah, you yeah know? practice, yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't get better many places where you can't make as many mistakes as you know, to a club full of 500 people that are, that are probably off their head, just going, yeah. loving whatever beat you're putting out there. That's true to an extent, but also your paranoia feeds in in a different way to the way, you know, if you were at home and practicing, you know, mistakes aren't punished immediately by the scornful looks of hundreds Correct. of people. Yeah. Right? Dude, you can hit the wrong button, man. Yeah, I'm not I'm not here to devalue yeah, what you're yeah, doing yeah, over yeah, there, yeah. big boy. But. <laughs> you, know, you, you run the hook over the wrong button, man, and the whole, the, the light, it's all done, isn't it? Like, everyone's just standing there. Oh, yeah, there, absolutely, yeah. And then imagine everyone's standing there looking at you and you've got to figure out what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. You go, oh, yeah. yeah. That's, but yeah. also, DJing's fucking easy. Like, what? <laughs> come on. That's what I was getting at. It's a, <laughs> it's a sh- look, you know, there's people out there that are really good. I, I would argue the whole, look, I, can't, I can't let you say that, man. Let me explain why. No, no, because I can think okay. that it can be easy. 
Yeah. Okay. The actual skill of beat matching. Yeah. Especially with the equipment today. Yeah. Piece of piss, man. But but man, there's there's level like anything in life. Yeah. There's levels to shit. Of course. And yeah, there's yeah. DJs out there that um yeah that they evoke the, emotion. The, they take you on a journey, and it's and it and it's built through yeah yeah yeah. Through okay. Intelligence so when you're talking about when you're like music and, selection and stuff like that, yeah, absolutely curation. But yeah, even man, even like um but notes but and what, chords, they evoke different emotions. So you're pulling out. You know what I mean? You can take it in different directions. Absolutely. But that's 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 an artist and and yeah and, but whereas a lot of the people you see around locally and in the local bars and stuff they're just DJs that like you said there's, there's I don't no I don't I don't mean to discredit devalue, those people yeah. but it was in in uh, response to your original question of how do you get around the physicality of it and that's what I'm saying yeah 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 easy, true yep right? true Obviously, when you get down to track selection and being able to build up, you know that's something that's, that's a bit the, meta that's to the that, art, right? To me, that, yeah, yeah. Correct. that's to me that's the art, right? Yeah, but the, the, but the physicality of it, and particularly, you know, I mean, I would say even back then, um, you know, there is a relationship between what the crowd enjoys and what the DJ regards as a particular level of skill that I believe in is an asymptotic relationship, which is to say that you begin to experience diminishing returns the better you get okay yep okay yep because you know what they care about is the right song played and you know like you can get away in some clubs with you know train wrecking a, a beat mix you know like yeah you can or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. and people are on enough ecstasy they're Sounds like, like yeah, the flemington strike <laughs> yeah exactly right? <laughs> they're, just do, they're just doing whatever right um, and you can get, uh, like, let's say you get a little bit better than that and then you can beat match, right? Once you get beyond that and you start, like, mixing things in key and getting well, a phrase bit, matching, yeah, key you, matching, you're like, yep. you know, you're, you're getting tricky with stalls and stuff. Fewer and fewer people are going to start caring about that. The better so you so get. it's the purist that will appreciate that? Yeah. The well, guy that's you, off his head in the, the corner may not. The get, right, the, the, the narrower appreciation you will receive that makes sense that makes sense i reckon right? i reckon there's a spot i do agree but i reckon there's a spot where you break through though there is yeah so I, I, yeah. I, I don't think that's the end of it where you know what i mean i think that um yeah the 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 ones that are that are truly the, the you know like i said the levels to it mm. those ones they do they get the diminishing returns like everyone else yeah. but then the ones that are truly gifted and really are set apart yeah they break through that and they're the, exactly you know, but precisely my point is that if you mentioned the names of those people to every anyone in a club you'd probably get one percent of people knowing who they were yeah yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's some merit in that. Mm. Yeah, crazy. No, oh, awesome. So, so where did it take you around the world, Tom? The, the oh, DJ. I played uh, uh, once or twice in Europe. We played in uh, on my own, uh, just in shit club. <laughs> um, uh, but as Starfuckers, we we've done Indonesia and we've done Japan. Yep. Uh, mainly though, based around Australia, um, and predominantly Sydney. We played a lot in Brisbane for a time. Weirdly, I don't know why Brisbane quite liked us yeah, yeah, Brisbane yeah. had a pretty rough they've always sort of yeah. Fortitude Valley there yeah That's in the valley, the valley yeah, we used yeah. to play family and, and a few yep, of those other bowler yeah. bar places which was fun yeah um, and then of course we did just sort of Splendor in the Grass we did a, a stage at Future Music we did uh, I think for like six years we had a stage there so yeah uh, I, well, yeah, yeah, yeah of course yeah. man I've, I've mean with hardware I was at a hardware event on the weekend actually um, yeah but yeah, I, I had a very similar journey, man. So, mm. I, but and in the same timeline as well, right? Yeah, right? So 2006, so I was in Melbourne. We were running our club nights and we were part of, you know, future, I think, you know, Sunshine People, Digital. There's a few different festivals going on where we had rooms as well. So yeah, we host awesome, we, yeah. very similar. It was journey. a fun time. It's a cool time, in, man. Uh, in dance music <laughs> history, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Definitely, man. And Richie, Richie, shout out, uh, 
Richie McNeil, who I'd love to get on the podcast one day, man. But that guy, like he was the pioneer of it all. And I actually saw him on the weekend yeah. at a medical tent, at a festival, still uh, doing his thing, man. Yeah. Do you know what I find interesting? There's, there was a period of, you know, clubbing, I think, in Australia. I think, well, I mean, I'm thinking about it in Sydney, but I'm pretty sure it's countrywide where you had this sort of harmonious intersection between uh, a scene that wasn't overly regulated uh, and pretty financially prosperous uh, sort of environment in which people lived such that I don't know if you remember like around 2006 when we started our party everyone that came there lived around the city right mm. like everyone was in uh, sort of Surrey Hills Darlinghurst they lived in share houses and they were uni students and stuff like that now when we run events and this has been for the past let's say five years everybody is like you know between the ages of 18 and 23 let's say every one of them lives with their parents Mm, and every one of them lives uh you know like northern beaches or the hills or penrith blacktown like quite far away and these kids travel you know what i mean like yeah. they're spending like an hour and a half to get into the city to party for a night yeah and then get a bus home yeah right which that if that's not a kick in the pants right? getting a bus home to you know, taking you an hour and a half to get home yeah but that's crazy and that demographic shift in such a short period of time relatively yeah right yeah um and back th so back then my point i guess to this is that there was a lot more disposable income back then especially for young people yeah there was a lot more flexibility and so when you lived in, close to the city you could go to five or six different clubs in a night yeah you know at a, at a pretty low cost yeah and a sneaky um, taxi home and happy days yep and then Walking. also you you had you know we didn't have uh, lockout laws and things like that that were sort of um, preceded by a, a bunch of violent crime, yeah. you know, accidents I, I guess you know what I mean um, here in Sydney and that sort of really crushed the industry as well and then you had a lot of the areas where uh, clubs would would have been or had been that were being taken over by property developers and that really changed the schematics of the whole nightlife districts yeah. Now I don't know how it was in Melbourne, but I know that you guys we also experienced. Was, yeah, no, we we weren't we weren't the same like, from my experience. But I think the lock-in laws and stuff started to come in when I was sort of starting to maybe move away a little bit more. Mm. Um, but yeah, we we didn't have that. We our our where clubs are open, man. We're partying. Do you yeah. know what I mean? As far as I know, like mm. someone in the comments can correct me if I'm wrong. I thought there was a lockout in Melbourne at some point. I think I just just in the pandemic, in the pandemic and stuff, was. everything yeah. sort of shut down. But no, I reckon it was pre-COVID. Do you reckon there reckon was, was a pre-COVID? They started yeah, to lock yeah. lock out. Must they started to lock out. Because I remember, oh, we better be in this joint by this time. Yeah. Otherwise, right. we're going to be going home. Yeah. That stab was a real thing. But maybe yeah. maybe is that down Geelong? Nah, nah, no. Yeah, right. No, I didn't live in Geelong. I lived in Melbourne. Yeah, 100%. maybe I'm just getting too old, hooky, and I'm in home. I'm home in bed before they're closing yeah, these days. No, no, no that was a thing. That, that was a, that was a thing. That's for my sure. wife, dude. My wife used to party like like as good as anyone. These days, when we go to a caravan park or if we go somewhere and she hears noise, man, she's the one complaining. I'm like, what are you doing? Here? You can't be doing that shit. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, hey, Tom. Yes. You know, you got on the the keynote speaking. Yes. Sort of thing. Like like I said earlier, that the TED talk, amazing. How did that how, you know, how did that happen? You know, did you say, Hey, I'm gonna start talking about this and inspiring, inspiring yeah. people? No, you know, I hate like, inspiring people. It's actually <laughs> yeah. I, I I try not to when I can. Um I started doing public speaking uh because I was asked yep. um, by a few people just to 
speak at a couple of conferences and stuff. And I wasn't very good at it. Yeah. Um, and what was the reason they got you to talk, do you think? Oh, you know, it's this kind of guy gone through adversity, tell us a story, kind yep. of, you know, yep. um, and pretty garden variety shit. And yep. I seemed to be quite good at it despite how unprepared I was. So gotcha. I, I, I've always had a bit of a skill to be able to speak extemporaneously. You're quite articulate and, and your vocabulary is really good. I was good. just yeah. about to say, you know what I mean? mean? Like I'm three words yeah. in this interview. I'm up to five. I'm, 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 I'm on three and I'm going I'm to pull them out yeah, after the episode. Words. I'm going to email you and you can tell yeah. me what they mean. <laughs> okay, we'll do that. It's, it's, you can Google it. It's on camera. What <laughs> you're, you're talking about? It <laughs> no, yeah, okay. um, so anyway, look, I, I started doing it and I was, I was kind of okay at it. and um, But I wasn't well researched and I didn't have a very clear I guess definition or idea of what I was supposed to talk about it was kind of just like oh tell us your story yeah which I think is kind of like it's fine it's it's a bit bullshit and it doesn't really have much lasting um power it does it's kind of untenable you know like you can only tell that so many times without having some real insight to follow that people can benefit from and some take some homes and stuff yeah yeah yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess uh, I started getting a little bit better at it and thinking about those types of things. And then I got asked to do the TEDx talk um, by, uh, well, it was by one of the organizers, but she didn't um, have any contact for me. And so, but she did have the contact of a mutual friend of ours, Eliza, who's actually a Paralympian. Uh, and so they got in touch with her and, and she called me and asked me if I wanted to do a TED talk. And I was actually in Dubai at the time and I was like transiting through to Europe and I was like, oh yeah, like, I mean, obviously I'd, I'd love to do that. That'd be amazing. And she's like, oh, okay, well, cool. It's like in a couple of months back in Sydney and I was on my way over to overseas for three months. Oh. So I had to change my whole trips. I mean, I was so lucky. You, yeah, right. So you It was lucky I did yeah. because they, they said to me, they're like, oh, you know, if you don't want to do this year, you can do next year. It's fine. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, something in me was like, no, 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 let's just, let's do it. I'll change my flights. I'll come back. And I was lucky because that, then the pandemic happened ah, yeah. and there were no conferences at all, you yeah, know, like as right. I think we were talking about the elevator on the way up here. Yeah. I was like, they did switch to an online format, but it took a big hit, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I was kind of lucky that, um, that I got offered it that year. Yeah. Um, and it was a really, it was a great crowd and everything. And, how, many, um, how many people do you know? It's five and a half thousand at the... Sounded good. Oh the, my goodness. At the ICC. And were you yeah. nervous? Uh, no, I wasn't. Weirdly, I don't tend to get nervous when speaking in front of large crowds, which is lucky. Um, I, I was conscious of messing it up. But then I also knew that... I mean, I did mess a couple of things up in it, right? And they edited it out. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was about to say, it looked pretty flawless to me. Yeah, it looks slick, doesn't it? It's, it's it it was. Good. It was. It was slick. I, I, I mucked up like a couple of things. When I muck up, um, none of these guys edit anything out. Nah, but anyway, oh, really? Hang yeah, they real. just hang me out. Hang me out to dry, it could mate. be part of the charm, though. <laughs> and people, you know, Apparently. your audience will develop a relationship with you where they expect Yeah, and they go, Pete can't do that properly. Can't yeah. do that properly. Do you, remember, do you remember? Oh, mate, you have to go back. with Season one last year, our first season, there's a first few, the first few episodes. PK couldn't get the intro out of it. Oh, how's this? <laughs> yeah, no, I battled, battled for a long time. Battled, battled. He's expert. Now. Do you guys do the? Um, do, do you have sponsors? No, we don't. Okay, we haven't. So you taken... don't have to do the like. Can you guys just? 
Manscaped. Yeah, yeah we've, they contacted <laughs> 20 us. 20% off. No shit, like, man. No shit. Okay. We, we came into this. I came in, I said from the start, and Peter, we Peter agreed. I reckon three episodes in Manscaped were on the Yeah, no, email. they hit us up. So we've been hit yeah. up by plenty of companies, you know. Yeah. And I just said from the start, I said, we're not doing this to mm. promote ball shaving, man. Like, that's just not what we're yeah. here to do, man. We're just not here to do that, you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm not against it. Yeah. But we Wait, will. We will. No, no, no. Totally. Well, you, oh, man, I'm, I'm pro ball shaving. Yeah. Just not promoting. Just not on know, our podcast. Promoting the tools while we're trying to have you yeah. know, meaningful conversations. Yeah, but yeah. we are starting to talk about because um, it's been a money pit, man. To be completely fair and honest <laughs> to our audience, yeah. man, this thing fucking not cheap. And you know, not we, with the production value. That yeah, you guys you're you're seeing it. Man. Display, we're in a three-story you know? penthouse. We've got you know, there's th- normally three of us with Dan and there's flight. Yeah. <laughs> I see how it is. Manscape will be knocking on your door. Man, hundred months. They were a perfect fit for Manscape. No, no. So now we're starting to think. Uh, maybe we you know, we're gonna do a deal somewhere. We're gonna do I mean, a deal somewhere, but we want to do a deal with someone that it makes sense and 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 that, that gives value. And to be completely honest, we want to give value to our audience. When we started, that was our number one goal. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, I don't see nothing's worse than an irrelevant ad. Uh, yeah, correct. Nothing's and worse. even ball shaving yeah. and stuff yeah. like that's not yeah. the kind of value we want to give. So we are, it's, which, which makes it tough <laughs> I because you have to keep talking about ball shaving <laughs> because of the example that I deployed. No, well, that's so, they contacted it's not us the as well. They were one of the first to, to contact us too. They definitely were one of the first, and I said thanks, yeah. mate. No thanks. But um, this has been a better ad for Manscapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Any yeah. of the other fucking podcasts. Well, that's the thing. Look how all your balls. How much you talked about it? Get him out, Pete. We're all pro <laughs> ball shaping. And I already day. think we're in Playboy Mansion now, Tom, after you. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, I'm so, packing that better. So we away. don't, Tom. And, and we never knew whether we, 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 we would or not, but we balanced the books at the end of the year. And we never, me and Pete made a deal. We wouldn't check them because we knew if we checked them, we would, we'd stop. Do you yeah. know what I mean? We just, we knew it wasn't going to be pretty. Yeah. So we, we just committed to doing the whole year. We did the whole year. We balanced the books and it was pretty stark. Like mm. the reality was a lot worse than we thought. Or not worse, yeah. it cost a lot more, you know what I mean? Yeah. But we wanted to, how you do anything is how you do everything. So we wanted to do the best we could. So now we're going, okay, well, if we want to be able to keep doing this, we're either going to go broke yeah. or we're going to have to get some support. But I think, you know, you, you've done the right thing in that you've built it up first before you went to the sponsor thing. So you have a bit of leverage yeah. there. Yeah, well, it was never And you don't about have money. to acquiesce to someone that you don't want as a sponsor. Correct. Yeah, well, that's like we're sort of where I, well, like we ideally eye off who we want rather than who we need to get potentially. Yeah. And you know what? And and the numbers have been the numbers, really flattering, yeah, you know, good. after the yeah. first year. So Yeah, the uh, numbers anyway. which 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 was a bit of a reality check for us as well, because that was something else we never did. We're we're not ones, me and Pete aren't ones checking the stats every five minutes, like because mm. that's not what we, we we were committed to doing this no matter what the stats sort of said, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, like the stats, like when, and we sort of got collated all that information at the end of the year for the first time comprehensively. And, and it'd be fair to say, like, humbled and thank you to everyone at home. <coughs> we had no idea the reach that we, were, that we were getting. So that again made us go, okay, so this is costing us a fortune mm. and we're going out to way more people than we ever thought. Maybe we need to, we need to figure this out. So we are yeah. trying to figure it out. And yeah. like, share, subscribe. Yeah. Bonnie, press the subscribe button. That's all we ask. Yeah, help, like help us share. do a deal. Give us a review. Five stars. Sm- um, smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs> okay, help us out with the YouTube algorithm. <laughs> you know how pernicious YouTube can be. Pernicious? <laughs> What's pernicious? Give was- me that one. <laughs> Another one. I'm up to Aggressive six. Aggressive detrimental. 
Oh, ah, yeah. yeah. Negative. Negative. It's a negative, yeah. yes. Hey, Pernicious you, is not good. Are, and you, the, you, know, are yeah. you active on YouTube? Have you run in a channel? Uh, not really. I do have a YouTube channel, but I don't run it like a YouTube channel. So it's I, more of an yeah. archive for yourself. Yeah. At one point, I made a couple of videos uh, for people who wanted to use hooks because it's not a very uh. popular prosthetic. Everybody wants to use the fandangled electric hands, which I think are shit, basically. Gotcha. And so I, I made a bunch of videos that were like explaining exactly how they worked. The, that video is a bit more self-serving because I can't tell you the amount of Ubers I've gotten into and they'll be like, you know, how does it work? And I, all I wanted was like a fucking QR code that I could just be like, scan that. Dude. <laughs> Two minute video and that just saves me. Here's a link. Um, yeah. yeah. But little videos like that. And then sometimes I'll put up some speaking appearances but it's nothing that i actually pay attention to i've got no subscribers really well um like how is the technology going like you know you're obviously content with those yeah 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 i love them yeah will they do you think it'll ever get to a point where you'll you know trade in and um it's an interesting question because it's not just a technological question right uh gotcha technologically I believe that there might be something in the future that would be better than these for me. Although that has to incorporate them being lightweight. Cause one of the things that I love about these is that they actually, I can swing them around like that. They don't add a bunch of weight to what I'm doing. Uh, And so it makes them easier to use. Yeah. They're also easier to fix because they haven't got any electronic equipments. They don't require batteries. Yes. If I break a cable, like I broke a cable this morning, just replace it. Takes a couple of minutes. Easy. Right. But also, they look pretty badass, right? Yeah, they wow, are. Wow, you're running that pirate want... thing like a Yeah, yeah. Champ. And it's like, it, it, I, think, I think they look cool. They yeah. do look and cool. so, even if you came to me with a hand that a was conversation as light stuff. as this. Okay. I don't want to be normal. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I want to be like, different. Yeah, why yeah. am I making it look like a hand that I don't have? Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's a great point. Who am I point. trying to fool? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what me. some people talk about my hair and go, well, why don't there's all this technology and stuff? Well, I'm bald though. You know what I mean? Like, if I have hair on my head, you're going to go... Where, where'd Pete get that hair from? I've known you 20 years, man, and I can't remember you ever with hair, dude. So if I ever saw you with hair, I'd fall off the chair. You, man, you were thinning in the truck at 18, man. I can't Weren't you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably just in denial. I've got, I've got some questions. I don't know how to frame them, though. So you'll, you'll probably be able to want, work yeah. it out, um, or you'll be able to try and piece together what I'm trying to say. Um, when at first, when, when you first started integrating into life and you were dealing with it and you've got all the emotions and stuff, how were people treating you and were they overcompensating? And was that something that frustrated you or that you appreciated? Um, does that sort of make sense? Because yep, under- one of my best friends, which the audience at home know, like one of my best friends from school is in, Podgy's in a, in, a, in a wheelchair. And I know from him, the one thing that he just wanted to be treated normal, man. Do you know what I mean? Like he just yeah. didn't want to be, he, that, that from that was what I understood. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, He's like, yeah. yeah, I'm in a chair, but you know, that's, not me, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I mean, everyone has their own version of that, I guess, if they have something different about them. And it's not just people with disabilities, Correct. but it's, you know, people that might look different or, you know, whatever it is, you know. Um, being treated normal, I feel like that's a bit of a double-edged sword because uh, sometimes people can try really hard to treat you normally. So they overcompensate. It's quite tra- yeah, yeah, it's quite <laughs> transparent, you know. Or they're, you know, trying really hard not to look at you in yeah. a supermarket. It's kind of, just look, I don't give a shit. I'm a bit like that as well. And it's, it, look, it's something that you need to learn to live with because I, I get it. Like, Do you feel people looking? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or is that, is, or do you, is that lost on you now? Uh, I, I, to it. I ignore it. 
Yeah, I'm numb to it numb to an to extent. Yep. Um, yeah, there good. are places around the world, weirdly, that I get looks more than others. Oh, you know, yeah. like Japan. They like uh, culture, know, different they cultures it. and just stuff. Like, oh, yeah, let's, let's have a good old look at that. Um, and <laughs> a lot of places like Southeast Asia, I think culturally, they, yeah. they, there's nothing wrong with them coming up and just like touching it or something like that, which I find really interesting. I don't care. I'm like, yeah, it's different, right? That's really uh, cool. In cities like Sydney where um, I'm known by people, yep. and I don't mean like they know who I am or I know them personally, but they've seen me around. Yeah. Like, oh, that's the guy with hooks that walks around <laughs> Newtown or is always drinking martinis at the barbershop. Like, <laughs> yeah. We don't have to look at Live him. Living the We've life. seen that. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I noticed that like, you know, Sydney and, and even to an extent Paris where I spent a lot of time, I get looked at less. And I think it's because, yep. <clears throat> I think it's because they've seen it before. Yeah. yeah. But it's pretty interesting, right? Like I understand why people look. Dude. Dude with fucking hooks. Yeah, man. And oh, no, man. He's doing not, a crazy job, like, man. Yeah, Running around yeah. with hooks, living yeah, life. Not being funny. You know what I mean? Did he like, just pick up a glass of wine? Yeah, no. What the fuck is He's drinking a what margarita, this guy. Well, I, I said, I you know said, what I mean? I said when we first caught up, I was like, I, I can't put my finger on how I came across you, Tom. But 100%, yeah. man. That's all it was, dude. Like, I, mm. I look, because I, I, people always say, oh, you want to try and get the biggest guest. And we always say, we're not looking for the biggest guest. Yeah. We're looking for the yeah, best. We're looking for Tom. No, we're looking for the, <laughs> we're looking for the best guest. We're looking for the best, best guest. guest who do we want to talk to? Who do we want to talk to and understand yeah. their story, man? It doesn't matter how many followers <clears throat> they got or how many people know them yeah, or don't know them. I'm sort glad because I don't have any. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that because I found get out. Yeah, yeah. Get no, out I, now. I, I can tell you, I think it's about 2,000 or something, right? Maybe 5,000. On Instagram? Instagram. I've town on Instagram yeah so oh, but nobody cares yeah yeah like exactly. no one's liking my shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly man so uh, well, I forgot where I was going to go there no well we just want to talk to oh, yeah. great interesting people going through life doing it in a way that interests us and interests those guys and, 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 and that's, like you said and that's the yeah. thing to see a guy in Paris With two what's, hooks what's he, what's he, what do you go to Paris for not just, for the obvious because it's fantastic. Wait, what's it? the obvious? Oh, just, oh, I just mean because it's cool. Oh, yeah, no, that's But is I there... Go, yeah. yeah, you just <laughs> no, go there is, to hang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been going no, there just, like every year since... I just I was, live in Geelong. That's years, as far yeah. as I go. I've got four little kids. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 I don't yeah, yeah. go anywhere. I went to Hillsville Big Four. <clears> I was going to say that. As far Sing, as I go. Dingo told me, whatever, he said... He oh, listened to the episode and he's like, is he a kid? Tell, tell Pat, um, he's done, man. He's cooked with you. What do you mean? He's gone to Hillsville. He goes, he travels further for work, man. He wasn't. He yeah. texts me about you going to Hillsville for anyway. I live, I live a boring life, so when I heard I go to Paris a lot, I was like, yeah. I "Wonder what's in Paris?" No, um, I just I like it. I've been I've been going there since I was young, and yeah, yeah sounds. So amazing. now I have friends there and stuff. So it's kind of like a place I go. Yeah, but that, yeah. But to, yeah. But to just to back over what we we're saying. So when I found you, I was blown mm. away, man. And that's yeah. what happened. And and how these podcasts normally come about. You know, one of us will find something. I found you, started reading and listened to your videos on Instagram. Yeah. Found the TED Talk. Mm. First thing I do is I yeah. flick it to Pete. And I go, what do you reckon, <laughs> Pete? What how crazy yeah. is At and, night, 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, going... He, nah. he watched like, the nah. video. No, I'm no, like, no, TED Talk? I'm like... He just, yeah. he goes, I he just, just watched nailed. the TED Talk. And he goes, we've got to get him on. He so just nailed like, a 10-minute TED Talk. Yeah. You Minus should, the limbs. It, like the, the story would have been so much better if you were just like, nah, we're not getting this asshole <laughs> on the pot. And then it became an argument. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You won. No, and no, you're interviewing me begrudgingly <laughs> as a result. <laughs> just like this. <laughs> so where were you? But it gets revealed do? in the podcast and now the dynamic. I told you he didn't have enough followers changes. for us. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, PK, how many followers is this guy? And yeah. for the people out home playing along, we don't, that's not a question Pete even asks. You know what I mean? It's not even, it's not no. even a metric that we're looking at. We're just literally looking for the best stories mm. to try and, you know, share Can with I ask other it, people. What you guys do besides this podcast? What's oh, your He's team? turning the tables. I yeah. see what's yeah. happening here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> 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 we're <laughs> we are. So we're from Melbourne. We've got a property development company called Littlefish Property Developments. Yeah. So Benny and Ben and I started that, um, and that's sort of going pretty well. And can you explain to me what Littlefish Property Development? Does? So you actually build it, build it like yeah. So not builders. So we'll we'll buy land, help people buy land, manage people, manage people's sites that already have the land, yeah. and um, manage their developments on their behalf. So developing oh, cool. can be pretty tricky. Yeah. So we sort of wear that project manager right that, that so you act as in. a conduit between the people yeah. who, between yeah, everything else and, yeah correct yeah, right. so we manage these development sites um because of sort of the volume we've got and that sort of thing we can uh you know leverage that and 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 our clients will win based yeah. on sort of that footprint we've got and yeah, that sort of thing so don't keep it a secret pk we can get it done faster and cheaper including paying ourselves <laughs> <laughs> like uh, share <laughs> and subscribe so coy you know what i mean little fish <laughs> property development bang but that's not all that's not all tommy clip are you up. the little fish in a large pond of real estate i don't know is that something it's that amazing you do? Yeah, yes good. Yeah. little fish I'm is swimming sweat. with a, i'm not doing it <laughs> Uh, but that's what we do. And now we started doing this because uh, we thought it'd be cool. Well, we're going to do a podcast, true. We're going to do a development podcast. And we both looked at each other and said, well, fuck, that's fucking boring, man. We All we do is talk about developments and that's what we do all day. Mm. And selfishly, had no idea what this was going to be. Mm. And we had everyone that had that knew us, with, that was in, you know, knew what we're doing was like, uh, what are you doing, dude? You do a development podcast, you're going to crush it because you're the authority in the space and mm. everyone's going to watch. And we're going, oh, we get that. But the problem is we'd have to do the podcast and we don't, that's not what we, you know, we were more passionate about learning. We we're, you know, passionate about business, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're in property development. We've also yeah. got real estate business, so Little Fish Real Estate. Yeah. So for us, our passion wasn't just property, it was business. And, and I think the thing that's going to set you guys apart is that if, if people develop a sense of trust with you as people, they're more likely to use your company. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I don't think it matters that the, it's not centric around property development. Yeah, Correct. but if it's just interesting enough to watch and listen to, then people are going to jump on board. Correct. Yeah, and we were, we had some pretty people, some people that you know in the know tell us that it wasn't going to work, and and have since come back and gone, well, you know, they, I, did, I didn't hear them. Funnily enough, <laughs> yeah, but we just we just <laughs> you know ignorantly just went, you know what? Like I said, we didn't look at the money, we didn't we didn't look at the stats. We made a commitment that we were going to do it come hell or high water. Didn't matter. Mm. Didn't matter how it ended up, what the numbers were of anyone, no one, whatever. We're just going to do it for ourselves. Yeah. And once we started doing it, we just started meeting all these cool people like yourself and hearing these stories, and and we we just learning shit, right? So we're getting value from like learning stuff that help us. Mm. I'm going back to you, Tom. Yeah. 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 Sure. Uh, talk us through. Talk us through a day. You know, you've got your business lucrative mm. in the intro set as well. <laughs> you just put that in there. That's how you... um, talk, us, talk us through a day. Uh, Going well, into work. I, it's, it's really difficult for me to do that because no two days are alike for me. That sounds all right, though. Really. Um, because, I mean, my main objective... Uh, sorry, objective. Um, I guess my main modus operandi these days is I do speaking and I do a little bit of DJing. Uh, so we still run events, but maybe only a few a year. Yes. We do it at our own pace uh, because it's, it's no longer, you know, the source of, of our work. 
Yeah. It's just something we do for fun. So we put on a Halloween party. We put on a Mardi Gras party. We do things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we don't have to rely on it. And I guess uh, I rely more on my speaking career. Yep. Um, and I'm also writing a book, which I uh, just submitted the manuscript for yesterday. Yes. Uh, and I've got a few other gigs coming up. I'm, I'm interviewing uh, Richard Dawkins in um, uh, Western Australia, in Perth. Richard Dawkins, I know. If we're both, we're, we're losing it. Richard help, Dawkins? Yeah, help us out. With who he mental is, you mean? Yeah, mental oh, he's a He's an evolutionary biologist okay. from England. Yes. I don't you, know. you would have heard of him through uh, atheism debates against, you know. I know the name, people. 100%. Yeah. Yep. yeah, so he, he, he was dubbed one of the new atheists, I believe, uh, that... that um, it's probably him, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, and I think Daniel Dennett got thrown in there for, thrown in there for good measure. But he's uh, one of the most prolific scientists of our time, arguably since Darwin. Um, and yeah, he's written quite a few books, uh, some of which I have to reread in the next couple of <laughs> yeah. weeks to research um, before doing the conversation with him. But yeah, so I've got that on the cards and a few other big conferences this year and some traveling overseas. Uh, so yeah, it's not a typical day any day. I'm, yeah, okay. I, one day I might be finishing writing a book. The next yeah. day I'm researching it, someone to interview. The next day, the next you're day I'm on the number, number one, one podcast. podcast. Come on. Little Fish. <laughs> Are you a little fish in a... Oh, sorry. I'm gonna, I'll get it right. <laughs> down, the the end of a, down the barrel, Tommy. Yeah. Welcome to our pond. Hi. Welcome to our pond, Little Fish. You know, this is not working. That's amazing. You, is it? <laughs> oh, I think it's amazing. So, Tom, can sorry, I... what were we talking about? Uh, we're oh, yeah, talking about no, no day, day in the life. Day in the yeah, life. No, no day is no. an average day. That's right. That's how I like to keep it. And I don't that really like to know what's happening too far into the future yeah. either. Like, I mean, I think 2023, I've got more things that I know are definitely happening than I have in the past. And I don't like it. Is that, uh, because, is that because a lot of the things that you've been doing are starting to mature and you're starting to become a little bit more in demand for your uh, time? I mean, it's probably a little bit of the story. The other thing, it's just booked in. Yep. Which I hate. <laughs> can I can yeah. I ask a question about? Um, have you got siblings? I have a half sister and I have two stepsisters. <laughs> and obviously your parents. So taking just to go back to that time, how how did your parents like? Because I'm a father. Pete's got four kids. I've got three kids and stuff. I'd imagine like that would bring me to my knees to see what, mm. you know, my, one of my kids. I don't, you know, I don't think I'd make it through as a parent. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine what your parents went through and to, you know, how, how did they go? Were they able to be there and support you? And yeah, they were both there to support me. Absolutely. Um, I think it would have been in many ways harder on them than it was on me because yeah, I, there's I that of sense of helplessness, you know, I mean, I don't have kids, but I imagine it would be an order of magnitude more serious than my relationship with my dog, <laughs> which in and of itself, I feel a great responsibility towards mm. his well-being. Yes. And so, and I get quite paranoid when he gets lost or something. There you go. Yes. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine how that would be. It, the Just the lack of control over the situation, the helplessness, um, and my mother and father are two very different people in terms of, you know, their personality. And my mum's a lot more emotional. My dad is more stoic. And so they dealt with it completely differently, but, you know, would have felt the the weight of it just as much, I'm sure. You know? Yeah, that's crazy. There's something that you love more than yourself and mm. they're going through that. Like your parents would have wanted to have 
swap spots. But imagine, yeah, you imagine know. your parents now, are they still around now, Tom? Your parents? They are, yeah. That's yeah. A, I imagine them now, they get to see Tommy doing yeah. the TED Talk, number one podcast in Australia. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but like, I mean... Yeah, 100%. Yeah, not well, to dad, yeah my dad was always like, when are you going to go on the number one podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, well, you I said, didn't even you know what the fucking number one podcast <laughs> until I walked in, I saw that, and then I'm like... So you can, you can call home. I made it. Yeah, that's right. You can call home, but, but mate, not, they'd be super proud, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I'm sure they are. Yeah, yeah, not, they would yeah, be for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. And not to take uh, to piss in your pocket, but mm. to piss in your pocket. Like, <laughs> Get ready. Yeah. yeah, like man. Yeah, whenever someone tells you they're not going to do something, <laughs> that's what they're about to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but man, like it's really, really hard for me sitting here to wrap my head around how you've been able to uh, combat what you went through and just to to sit here and be such a, a personable well-grounded just you know happy and you found happiness man you found a way to be happy because yeah. i think yeah it's it's, it's really difficult for me because I, I feel like i've i've had you know i've mental i've dealt with uh mental health stuff over the years and stuff and mm. I, I i just you know if i had to learn this story or been confronted with this story earlier would have given a lot more perspective to where i thought i was in life does that make sense yeah I, actually I think the, the sort of the answer to your question or, or comment i should say is nested within it which is that, you know, it's probably and precisely because of what I've been through that I think... That I'm builds the resilience. Down. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like to think of it as resilience. I, I like to think of it as anti-fragility, which is kind of... Um, it's, a, it's a term coined by Nicholas Taleb, who's actually an economist. You might get a kick out of a lot of his stuff. Um, but he talks about it in, um, you know, economic systems and ecologies and stuff like that, which is, you know, that which responds to stresses in a positive way. Yes. So, you know, a wine glass might be fragile, it's easy, easily broken. Something that's sturdier like this desk might be resilient because it doesn't change with stresses. Yeah. And something that's anti-fragile actually gets better with stresses. So your immune system is a good example of that. Right. Your, yeah. your muscular yeah. system. Actually, the airline industry is also a really good example of that because for every plane that crashes air travel gets safer after that because you know you have all sorts of red tape and regulatory there you go there you go that analogy is really quite yeah so so if you if you think of your life uh through that lens i guess and and try to be anti-fragile i guess um that's how you can become i guess well-grounded as you put it you know despite adversity and also not just despite it but you know by dint of it i guess but do you think do you think you need those stresses, like you said, you know, flying? Not sure because I don't have an experience that's different to my own. But I think it definitely helps. I, um, you, yes. you need to be part of the conversation. It can't just be horrible shit happens to you and you get better. You, you need to be able to reflect on it and 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 be able to grow from it. And there's you know, various ways that you can do that, whether it be. Um, you know, em- embracing the stresses and managing expectations, but using maybe framing techniques uh, to look back on negative vicissitudes, learn what you can do better or yeah. um, learn about yourself. Uh, there's, or diversifying is a, is a big one, is something that I learned. Because of how quickly things can be taken away from you, you learn to get good at more than one thing. You guys are doing that with your podcasts, right? It's like you're not just um, property developers, but you're also gotcha. podcast hosts, yep. right? And I don't just mean diversity in, in vocation, but it can be in anything. It could be in life. It could be hobbies. Yeah. Or it could be, you know, because what's that? I think it was Mike Tyson who said, everybody has a plan until someone punches, punches them in the face. Punches them in the face, yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's, it's a great quote from, uh, you know, an, um, 
I guess, an unexpected uh, source. Um, <laughs> He's not probably not known for his no, no, depth not, and not wisdom. Often is quoted. He? <laughs> yeah, was it just Mike Tyson who said once? Yeah, is he, <laughs> no one ever says that about Mike. No but, one said ever. But I love, I love the quote because it's such a succinct way of putting something like, let's say, you know, the pandemic into context. You yeah. know what I mean? Where if you were in a particularly vulnerable industry and you didn't have any way to diversify or pivot or do something different, you were fucked yeah. when that happened. Right, and so, you know, having the ability to be good at more than one thing, it it doesn't just have the um, give you the chance to be able to change direction, but it also makes you unique. Yeah, yeah, because being good at two things is a really interesting way of creating a niche that didn't exist before. If you think about it, yeah, yep. you know, like if you're if you're good at property development, you can only be, you know, there's always going to be someone better than you somewhere, yeah, right. And trying to be the absolute best at something uh, is very difficult. Yeah, I'm with you. but if you're a property developer who's also a podcast host, so instead of going, what fucking intersection? Like you've just created your own niche, right? yeah, 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 and you immediately and become the small, best, at smaller that group, thing. yeah. That. That's exactly right. It's not. That's why you're the number one podcast. You haven't even of turned it on. The in the Meriton Hotel. That is oh, on. Well, we just lit it up, have we? That was on. Yeah. No, you're spot on. Yeah, you're spot on, aren't you? So yeah. you instead of building, trying to build upwards, you're sort of building out. Yeah, build diversification right. can the create the foundation. Yeah. The taller the peak. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The wider the foundation, the more the the the, the taller the peak. Um, so I think all of those things. You know, when taken into consideration and if you're thoughtful about the way that you deal with negative vicissitudes or adversity, mm. you can absolutely turn them into positive things, things yeah. that you can learn from, yeah. things that you can frame in a different way. And, and then that once, mindset? that's a that, skill. That's yeah, a it's mindset a skill. that you can yeah, train absolutely. yourself, Tom, because that's what I was going to say. It's so powerful to hear you say stuff like this so like so calmly and so measured, do you know what I mean? But was there, is there, can you remember a specific time over the journey where I guess, where you, I guess, at your, at your deepest, and maybe you didn't think it was going to pan out for you, and you weren't going to be able to find that happiness. And what was it that pulled you through? Do you think? Um, I think it was enough of an iterative process that I couldn't say that there was one definitive point. If you're speaking within the emotional context, yep. Um, but there've definitely been turning points in my cognition or progress physically that I could point to and say this was an aha moment for me. It was some kind of uh, revelation. And the one that I usually use is the one that I deployed in the TED Talk, which was about um, getting up the step and having to do it yeah, the sideways, curb. Yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. It, was a, it was a revelation in the sense that, I mean, who cares if I can walk up a step? No one gives a shit, right? There's elevators. But, <laughs> but it was the first time that I realized that I had to think about problems differently yeah. to yeah, everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Because the world indeed was not designed for me for you right yeah but the um, core of the story was that you thought it through and you figured it out and mm. and then you went and bolted up a flight of stairs yeah, because you right. nutted out how to do steps yeah that's exactly right yeah and sometimes the thing that's holding you back is i mean i always think you know momentum is such a powerful force uh in your life that when you when you gain it you 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 gain uh i guess progress exponentially yeah. once you have momentum it's like an s-curve yeah yeah it's the opposite of the asymptotic thing we're talking about with dj <laughs> skills it's the yeah, inverse yeah, yeah. of that yeah yeah absolutely yeah. um and so you know learning how to build momentum and get past that first thing that might be holding you back can be the difference between you being a 10 at something or a two yeah 
yeah. iterative process. You know? And then it teaches you when you're faced with these challenges of exponentially moving yeah. past yeah, yeah. them. And, and Yeah, if, if you're faced with a very trivial challenge, if you can work out a different way to solve that problem that no one else is thinking about, um, it lays the groundwork and opens broadens the, the whole thing opportunity up. for things that people haven't done before. Yeah. Fucking it's fantastic. It's a way, way of thinking, yeah. yeah. Work smart, not hard, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 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 Amazing. Hey. Amazing. Tom, this has been a really good chat, mate. Thank you for having me. Oh, really good chat. Ask, have you got a name for the book yet? Yes, I do. Talk to us. Oh, is it, you, can you put it out? Uh, well, it's a working, working title. Working title, yeah. But it's Hook, Line and Sinner. Hook, Line and Sinner. Yeah. That's brilliant. And Sinner. That's yeah. And have you got the photo, the and cover photo? Because on your Instagram, there's some sick photos with the hook. Yeah. Have you got the Have you got the cover yet? I no, I haven't. And uh, but I'm, I'm I'm supposed to be getting it soon. I think I get a few options to pick through, maybe or something like that. But I'm really picky with book covers, and I don't think I'm going to get my way on this. One. <laughs> um, well, when it comes out, yeah. you keep us in the loop. Uh, keep us in the loop so we yeah, can uh, share it out. We'll drop a link, send yeah, us a copy. Yeah. Um, and we'll, and we'll help you. Yeah, help you get. I'll it even out there. sign it. <laughs> the, it will be you, a legend you it. you'll see yeah. <laughs> that's it yeah. uh, oh, that's Tom amazing. Tom one thing I haven't asked which there's a bit of gold in there often we ask just one piece of advice for mm. people out there people out there that maybe are looking to start that business step off that line well dealing with adversity man. deal with adversity that's you know um, all that sort of stuff just one piece of advice how how do they push through and how do they you know, I guess, how do they work through that challenge in their right. life? I'd say if it was one really important thing, I would say that uh, learn to think about uh, failures differently. So, so because whenever you start out with something, it's a, a fucking avalanche of failure, or it should be. It should be, yeah. If, it, yeah. if it's not, you're not doing it right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it was like Edison who said, you know, I haven't failed um, 10,000 times. I've found 10,000 ways that won't work. Yes, right. And, and, and that is the way you need to think about failing because, and it could, it, it doesn't even have to be within one thing. It could be like jobs you're trying or industries or ideas that you have or yeah. apps you want to start. And it can be really uh, depressing to constantly get roadblocks or that's a shit idea or it doesn't work or I've invested all this time into whatever it is. Um, but as, as long as you can learn from each of those experiences such that you're better placed to do the thing when it happens, I mean, you know, our relationship with risk or our knowledge of risk is really poor, yeah. right? We, we are constantly subject to sunk cost fallacies and things like that with, with respect to our time and certainly our money as well. And so our ability to judge where we should be putting risk or investing in risk is very bad, right? We, we, we constantly misjudge opportunity cost in things and when, when negative... Uh, feedback is inevitable and comes back all the time. We, we all too often think to ourselves, I'm out, fuck it. Yeah. And I think just being able to look at that feedback in a different way and not regarding it as a failure, Yeah. Um, but regarding it as a discovery. And getting, you're actually getting closer. Yeah. And you're getting better at doing that the yeah. more you do it. Yeah. Like you're developing well, that skill yeah. as it goes on. Yeah. So yeah. it's not failure. It's just that way it doesn't work. Yeah. And I've actually put a line through that and I need to keep putting lines through it till I get to the goal. Yeah, and that's why they say, well, well fail, what well, I say. <laughs> well, fail fast and then pivot faster, right? So fail, go, no worries. The, the sooner you fail, the, the, 
exactly the sooner you find yeah. the path, the right path, and, and work out why you fail. It's important yeah. not to just yeah, yeah, yeah. just, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just be a loser. <laughs> Purposefully trip over the couch. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Elon Musk, look out! Uh, no, nah, that's magic, Tom. That's good stuff. No worries. Thanks very much. And for when's the next star? Star? The star star fucker, yeah, we're yeah. doing um, we're doing star fuckers for Party Gras, Mardi Gras. Sorry, which we call Party Gras. When's Mardi Gras? It's uh, so it's World Pride this year in Sydney. Sydney's hosting World Pride, so the, the actual festival I think goes for about a month. No, love it. Thanks again, man. Thanks so Thanks much. Legend. Thanks. Thanks Please, guys, like, share, subscribe. Plenty of nuggets in that. Plenty of perspective. See you at the top. You. Stick around.